archive shows anytime at kpfa.org. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone. Stone's throw today is June 19th, 2018. Once again, I have too much on my plate. I want to start with the serious stuff. There's something happening tonight at the Oakland City Council. Let's see. Here it is, right smack in front of me. Defend police accountability in Oakland. A friend of mine brought this over late last night. She said that we must not forget about the City Council meeting tonight, Tuesday. Tonight, June 19th, 7 p.m. at City Hall. Actually, I think it opens at 5.30. She said this issue, police accountability, probably won't come up until, oh, 9 o'clock, you know. Anyway, last year, 83% of Oakland's voters uh, decided to, well, they voted to fix policing. They wanted the strongest independent police commission in the country. And now the city attorney is demanding control over the commission's legal advisor. You got that? Aha. Uh-huh. Federal reports have documented how the city attorney has historically undermined police accountability. Um, my little footnote here says you can't have the police, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, policing the police. Anyway. Support the police commissioners. That's what the meeting tonight is all about. They unanimously want independent legal advice. Okay, now the mayor and the city council need to hear from the community, from all of us, you know, whether you're for or against, <laughs> so that so that uh, the city council doesn't jeopardize the real oversight of police. Now, I'm sure the city council has brains. Uh, A truly independent police commission is critical to building public trust and confidence in our police department. My other footnote here. I used to live on the uh, uh, the line between Oakland and uh, Berkeley for years and years. I still live within a stone's throw of Oakland and I consider that uh, Oakland is Partly my hometown. Anyway, if if you can, uh, get over to the city council meeting in Oakland tonight. Uh, 7 p.m. is a good time to get there, but I think, I hope there'll be crowds, so plan accordingly. Anyway, if you need more information, uh, 
There's info about Measure LL and the Police Commission. You can go online, visit coalitionforpoliceaccountability.com. Now, that's spelled coal, you know, like the stuff they dig out of the ground, C-O-A-L. Coalition for Police Accountability, all one word, dot com. And, yes, underlined here. Okay. Or you can call a mayor. That might be a very good thing to do. If you, you know, some of us can't get down there. We don't have a... uh, a ride or something. If that's the case, you might as well just stay home and, and watch, uh, my favorite show. The finale is tonight. It's called Genius. And, uh, it's about Picasso, this one. Uh, it's fascinating idea. They, they started with Einstein, uh, one of the, uh, first geniuses that come to mind. Uh, Jeffrey Rush played Einstein. You can still get that on demand. Season two is Picasso. And, uh, I have to hand it to them. Even their Gertrude Stein looked, looked right to me. The, the, uh, early 20th century in Paris is really kind of something else. Uh, I think I'm going to watch the whole thing over again, which is my only test for something that I think uh, uh, I'll carry with me. Uh, Antonio Banderas plays Picasso, and you may get a little bit tired of all these love affairs, but uh, obviously what he did, what Picasso did, was walk up to any woman he desired and say, you must let me paint you. And as his smartest girlfriend, Dora Marr, says, oh, no, he's going to paint her next. Anyway, uh, the uh, the bits with Gertrude Stein, I, I wish they'd tried harder. Uh, they include Max Jacob and uh, Apollinaire and uh, some of the, uh, some of the uh, what do you call it, the businessmen of the time. But I'm fascinated by the, the women the painter, uh, the last, his last great love, not Jacqueline, she took care of him in his old age, but the woman who bore him two children uh, and wrote a book about him, uh, Francoise, she, uh, let's see, she, I'm trying to get the dates on her, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, she was with Picasso a long, long time, and she finally left him. She, uh, <laughs> She didn't want to look at the other women, so she just left him. And uh, he just goes around yelling, nobody leaves Picasso. Anyway, there's also a movie with Anthony Hopkins, if you want to check that out. Uh, he has a, uh, oh, he, his mother-in-law in that movie, Joan Plowright. Very funny character. There isn't enough about her uh, in the uh, present series, I think. It would be nice if we could see that uh, that relationship, Francois' mother is really something else. You can see her; both her parents teach her to be a uh, what do you call it a powerhouse. On the other hand, she becomes uh, very much the wife, uh, so long as Picasso is completely loyal. But then she cha- never mind. Uh, the soap opera aspects are uh, obviously the most fun, but. The historical textures and colors and the coming of fascism, uh, 
and then uh, Picasso's, uh, what is it, Romance with Communism, which definitely crashes at some point. Uh, anyway, just go online and look for a show called Genius. And remember, season one is Einstein and season two is Picasso. Uh, I just can't believe uh, how, what is it, uh, educational. Oh, dear, I can't use that word. This show is, I would recommend it, definitely recommend it for all the high school kids. Uh, and it does deal, definitely deal hands-on with gender issues. Uh, for me, gender is the, is what it's all about, you know. I, I having a hard time discussing um, the oh, what do you call it the 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 recent rush of information about sexual harassment has raised all the old questions and of course they're as old as mankind. Uh, Gender based persecution is a worldwide situation. I mean, um, it's not a problem; it's a condition. It's uh, it's reality. Yes, it goes so deep, it's just reality. Otherism is a facet of human nature. And woman, of course, is the earliest designated other. I mean, I guess children are other, but they grow up and uh, they may be oppressed when they're children, unable to resist. But basically, I think we can package the very young, along with the women. Uh, women and children <laughs> last. Anyway, the children grow up to be gendered. Uh, definitely, there's nothing to be said about it until their adolescence. Uh, actually, you know, those whose uh, gender is not specifically male or female are likely to be oppressed for their ambiguity. And uh, they are recently a minority group that's struggling for equal rights. But that's an entirely, entirely different story. Never mind. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this movie, The Tale, which is all about uh, uh, sexual abuse. Uh, 13-year-old girl. I worried about the actress. But the more I look at that material, the more I go back into my own history and uh, <laughs> yes I, I I guess I just ooze back I go I, I, my my psyche uh, hauls me back in time and uh, the tale is the sort of thing that makes us all uh, compare and contrast our own psychosexual history uh, my big issue here last night I started writing it up is between Eros and Thanatos uh, now uh, sexual abuse is a very complex subject because in the main let's face it most many women love their abusers um, we have to think about that that's too difficult Eros and Thanatos how can we how can we uh, forgive the uh, betrayal by those we love. Uh, life and death, that sort of thing. Eros, Thanatos. Uh, I quit, I quit. I, I, uh, 
looked in my notes today and I saw another note from someone who tells me that I'm going to make people hate men. <laughs> and I said, I called him up and I said, listen, if women hated men, it would all be over by Friday. Uh, that's not the issue. Uh, anyway, I have a whole box full of my crone poems. Uh, in the tale, you see Laura Dern turn her pain or her tragedy or her abuse into a story. And the point of the movie, The Tale, is that she's an adult uh, and a child. Uh, she, uh, at the end of the film, you see them both together, the adult woman and the child. And the film, dramatically, is a lot of fun because it gives this adult woman a chance to tell off her abuser. As an adult, he's played by uh, John Hurd, I mean, as an older man. Uh, he is an adult when he, what is that, seduces this poor girl. Uh, she writes the story for her uh, class at school, and uh, she tells them it's fiction. I don't think I could buy that part of the story because... Uh, in the tale, uh, the plot insists that she put this away and forgot about it. I I don't think uh, if that happens to you when you're 13, I don't think you forget about it for years, or at least not until your mother, Ethel Bur Burstyn, finds, uh, uh, finds it and uh, holds it up and says, what is it that happened to you, dear? Yes, Ellen, Ellen Burstyn, that was the, the mother. Anyway, the tale upset me is what I'm saying. What I'm doing here is I'm reaching for something a little more interesting. Uh, when I got back into the psychosexual profiles and files and files, I uh, put away all my shrone poems. Uh, they're too grim. Maybe, maybe soon I can deal with that, but uh, I think we should wait and see what happens if any of these celebrity males lose their jobs, I mean really, you know, suffer, lose their jobs and, and uh, don't get a salary, you know, once they take away the, the money. Otherwise, I don't think it counts, uh, but never mind. Uh, so long as we have the Pope on our side, everything will be well. Uh, let's see now, what have I got here? A note on on uh, Eros, right, I got it. It's in the front of a book called The Holy or the Broken. It's about Leonard Cohen, Jeff Buckley, and the unlikely ascent of Hallelujah, the song, you know. I put it down in my... Uh, uh, <laughs> my my uh, uh, memorial, right? I hope I can get people to sing Hallelujah at my memorial Uh won't be long now. Anyway, uh, yes, Jeff Buckley at the beginning of this book writes, he writes, uh, they're analyzing the song Hallelujah. He says, whoever listens carefully to Hallelujah will discover that it is a song about sex, about love, about life on earth. The Hallelujah is not an homage to a worship person, idol, or God. But the hallelujah of the orgasm. It's an ode to life 
and love. There you go. <laughs> now, I have saved up something here. Uh, uh huh. It's something that I wrote in the late 80s, and oh boy. I'm not sure. I think better, better to grasp the nettle and read you a little passage from a novel uh, which illustrates uh, not just Thanatos, but the the suicidal, the suicidal imagination of a young man. Uh, and I'll see. I won't tell you who wrote it. I'll read it to you, and then. I'll tell you who wrote it. See if you can guess. Uh, <laughs> this uh, heartbroken young man, uh, he writes here, he's about to leave town anyway, give up on his uh, girlfriend or the, the woman that he wants to to marry or to make love to. And uh, he's thrown in the sponge. He's giving up. In his diary or memoir, he writes that the life of man is but a dream, has been sensed by many a one, and I, too, am never free of that feeling. When I consider the restrictions that are placed on the active, inquiring energies of man, when I see that all our efforts have no other result than to satisfy needs which in turn serve no purpose but to prolong our wretched existence and then see that all our reassurance concerning the particular questions we probe is no more than a dreamy resignation, since all we are doing is to paint our prison walls with colorful figures and bright views. All of this leaves me silent, I withdraw into myself and discover a world, albeit a notional world of dark desire, rather than one of actuality and vital strength. Everything swims before my senses and I go my way in the world wearing the smile of the dreamer. All our learned teachers and educators are agreed that children do not know why they want what they want. But no one is willing to believe that adults, too, like children, wander about this earth in a daze. And like children, they do not know where they come from or where they are going. They act rarely, uh, as they do, according to any genuine motive. They are as thoroughly governed uh, as children are by biscuits and cake and the rod. And yet all this seems palpably clear to me. I gladly confess, since I know the reply you would want to make, that they are happiest who, like children, live for the present moment drag their dolls around and dress and undress them and watchfully steal by the drawer where Mama has locked away the cake. And when at last they get their hands on what they want, they devour it 
with their cheeks crammed full, they cry more. They are happy creatures. But those others who give pompous titles to their beggarly pursuits and even to their passions chalk them up as vast enterprises for the good and well-being of mankind. They too are happy. It is all very well for those who can be like that. <laughs> but that man who humbly perceives where it is all leading who sees how prettily the happy man makes an Eden of his garden, and how even the unhappy man goes willingly on his weary way, panting beneath his burden. All are equally interested in seeing the light of the sun for one minute more. That man indeed will be silent and will create a world from within for himself. And then, confined as he may be, he will be nonetheless uh, <laughs> still preserving in his heart his sweet sensation of freedom and the knowledge that he can quit this prison whenever he wishes. <laughs> yes, the knowledge that we can kill ourselves is handy. Anyway, footnote here. That last was my footnote. Uh, that is a passage from The Sorrows of Young Werther by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, written in the 1770s. Yes, yeah, 1771. <laughs> yes. Uh, back in the day, it was all the same. Yes, life and death. That sort of thing. Except, of course, they had time to write long letters. <laughs> yes. Actually, this makes me think of a wonderful short story by Langston Hughes I used to give to uh, middle school children. They liked it. It was about a, a black woman who works in a uh, domestic capacity. She cleans houses. And her, her life is uh, relatively wretched as these things go. It was back in the 1930s, I guess. And uh, she's lost everything, you know, all her, all her possibilities, maybe even love. It's all gone. She sees that her life will just be one long round of floors to scrub. And uh, in her despair, she goes out and buys a gun. But the minute she has that gun in her pocket, she feels just fine. She gets a tremendous feeling of freedom. You know, she can always just check out. <laughs> I think of the people now who, <laughs> yes, save up the means, something that they can use in case. Uh, as uh, Juliet says, uh, when she's about to take that uh, poison, you know, and she thinks maybe the, the, uh, <laughs> the priest gave her poison uh, because... He's scared of what will happen to him if people find out about the plot. Uh, anyway, Juliet looks around and she says, uh, she's about to take her, her, uh, what is that? Her, uh, the stuff that's going to knock her out for, uh, I think 32 hours. Anyway, she, she, she says, well, if all else fail, if all else fail, myself have power to die. Uh, 
I remember writing that down when I was an adolescent girl. It was the first time it ever occurred to me. Uh, Shakespeare is very educational. That, of course, we have the means to split. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm putting aside uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe's The Sorrows of Young Werther because I, I always think it's such a, a funny little book. It gave, apparently, it gave the 18th century romantics a chance to play Hamlet, all of them. Uh, yes. And, yes, uh, published 1774. And it became, what do we call that? Uh, wildly popular. Yes, apparently many suicides uh, were attributed to this this book. Uh, it's a small little memoir, and today, you know, the death of one celebrity. Uh, they say that Robin Williams was the cause of many, uh, oh dear, suicides, I guess we have to call them, yes. On the other hand, we don't seem to need much help. Uh, the number of people checking out, I I have wondered in the last couple of decades how the hell we created a culture in which so many young men are willing to commit suicide, that is to become kamikazes and blow themselves up in the hope of killing a few of their enemies. Uh, I always like to say that nothing will change until we begin to think of uh, people as, what is it, something other than the enemy. Uh, Robert McNamara said that he realized at some point that he could not think without an enemy. It was the process by which he he uh, made his choices, yes. <laughs> the enemy, uh I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure anymore how that works. I know that most of us uh, have at least some idea that it is possible, you know, uh, as Rodney King would say, can't we all just get along, that we can look at other people and realize that it, they have almost exactly the same, uh, what is it, uh, fears and loves and hates. We are all, uh, what is that? Uh, we are all members of this species. And this, this business of being other, studying other people to find out how we differ from them, this is what's driving us crazy. Driving us crazy. We all know it's driving us crazy I have here all the uh, all the crone poems that I wrote when I was trying to figure out why it was that the uh, what is it what we describe as masculine seems to err on well it's Thanatos masculine Eros feminine and I don't mean men and women I simply mean uh, principles uh, good old Van Goethe, uh, let's see. Wolfgang von Werther says somewhere, he wrote, uh, <laughs> the eternal feminine leads us on. Uh, some people 
think that's talking about the goddess. I'm not too sure, uh, not too sure, uh, but I think the principle is clear. Once again, too many people in 2018 are offended by gods of any kind. <laughs> anyway, I have a few lines here for you, and I don't have time for them. It's a little poem called Many Thousands Gone. And yes, I don't have anything. Just the tin cup and the TV. Technicide and empty eyes and no more bedtime stories. No more holding hands. Let's not kid ourselves, folks. We were never innocent, not in my lifetime. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at this same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Listeners, friends, comrades, thank you for coming to KPFA's author events, thereby supporting KPFA as well as many independent progressive writers. This is Bob Baldock, assuring you that Ken Preston, Catherine Horsley, and I will again this fall be offering you remarkably inexpensive seats to hear and meet such relevant writers as philosopher Martha Nussbaum, Chris Hedges with his new book, America, The Farewell Tour. Dee Dee Guttenplan of The Nation magazine, Michael Lerner of Tikkun, the profoundly wonderful Alice Walker, Peter Phillips and Mickey Huff of Project Censored, Buddhist teacher Joan Halifax, brilliant historian Adam Hochschild, Mideast expert Reese Ehrlich with Norman Solomon, and the merry, mindful mystic Gary Gock. There will be more. Please keep an eye on the KPFA website and your ear on 94.1 FM. Much